Welcome back to the Totally Random Show. I am your host, Dean Lentini. This is the nerdy podcast about totally random stuff. And while it might be about totally random stuff, it will no longer be on a totally random day. Today is the day. Every Tuesday, you can check back with the Totally Random Show on iTunes, and you can find the new podcast where we break down all those comic books, movies, TV show news that you want to hear, and a little bit of opinion on what that all means. And you can check back every week now. So totally random stuff in the podcast, but the podcast is no longer totally random when it comes out. Every Tuesday. Today on the show, we're going to be talking about the most ridiculed, the most mocked character in all of comic books, I'm talking about the Fishman himself, Aquaman. We'll be dealing with him later, and I'll be asking the question. I've been putting it all over Twitter, Facebook, asking you guys what you think about Aquaman, and we're going to delve into that later on in the show. We're going to be talking about some movie news, like the Godzilla trailer that came out last week, and I'll be doing a review on the Marvel one-shot titled All Hail the King that came out with Thor on Blu-ray last week, and there's some big stuff in there, guys, and we're going to talk about it, and there'll be tons of spoilers when we get to that point, FYI. And lastly, we'll be talking about some big TV news, including uh, a picture that came out last week that literally broke the internet. Grant Gustin put on his Twitter a mask. I think you know what I'm talking about. We'll be doc- I'll give you my opinion on what we saw, as well as... Some news about heroes coming back in 2015. All right, let's dive in with Aquaman. See what I did? See what I did there? And here we go. So I've been putting it all over Facebook and Twitter, like I said in the intro, about Aquaman. I've been asking people, what do they think about him? Do you like him? Do you hate him? Do you think he's super weird? Do you think he's on par with the rest of the Justice League? What do you think about Aquaman? And I have not been surprised by the feedback that I've gotten. As some of you listeners might know, I'm a youth pastor. And I asked a whole bunch of my kids at youth group what they thought of Aquaman. Now we're talking about 13 to 18-year-old kids. And uh, I asked them just a simple question. What do you think about Aquaman? Is he cool or is he lame? Out of all my kids, it was literally... 92% of my kids thought he was lame. Most of them didn't even know who he was. And if they did, all they knew was what they've seen on like Super Friends reruns from way back in the day where he was so lame. And we'll talk about that. All right. Uh, I put it out on Twitter. I got a couple of feedbacks from, uh, let's, let's see, Cisco PG tweeted at us, and he said, I only like Aquaman during the Flashpoint series. That truly showed his power. Aqua needs to be a stronger presence in hashtag the new 52. All right, thanks for tweeting at us, Cisco. And then Mark Shepard tweeted in, don't like him so much. His abilities and areas of expertise are so niche, negates broad appeal. Then I had a couple friends on Facebook uh, send in as well. Uh, One of my good friends, Dan, put in, he just seems like a hard support to the main heroes. He had a huge handicap. If a baddie wants to pull off his nefarious scheme, all he has to do is do it on land. Another person who I really respect as a comic book reader said that he always seemed like kind of a joke to her. 
That is what people think of Aquaman. Uh, when people think of Aquaman, usually they think of what they saw maybe in Super Friends, uh, where he was very feminine. I'll just say that. He had limited powers compared to, say, like Superman and Batman. Well, Batman obviously has no powers, but he's freaking awesome. And there's a lot of confusion. A lot of people think that Aquaman is limited to the ocean, that he can only work in water. Uh, I even had a friend ask me, without water, how strong is he? This guy honestly didn't know that if maybe he left the water, that he turned into a normal person. All right, there's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of ignorance when it comes to Aquaman. People think they know him because they saw him on TV, but they don't know his powers. So I'm going to be breaking down the truth about Aquaman from the comic books and from some of the TV shows, some of the movies that have come out, and then it is up to you. Now I'm just gonna say up front, just be totally honest with you guys, I love Aquaman. He's awesome. I really enjoy reading his comic books. Uh, I really enjoy him as a character. Uh, so I am biased. But here is just the truth about Aquaman. All right, so what kind of powers does he have? All right, a lot of people just think he can swim really, really fast. Uh, that's true. That's true. He can swim very fast. Uh, he can swim at the bottom of the ocean and not be killed by the pressure. He can breathe underwater. That's true. He can go down, swim into the depths of the ocean, see all kinds of sea life that we have never seen, and live. So that's true. He's a really good swimmer, obviously. All right, some of the other powers that he has. He has super strength. Not quite as much as Superman, but almost. There are many times that he has lifted up cars, he's lifted up boats out of the water. He is incredibly strong. Now usually when people think of the DC Universe and they think of strong characters, they think right off the bat, you got Superman and then Wonder Woman. Uh, Aquaman has fought Wonder Woman. And as Cisco PG mentioned in his tweet at us, he was really powerful in Flashpoint. That's, that's the... You might have seen the Flashpoint Paradox that just came out a couple months ago from DC, one of those Warner Brothers direct-to-home video kind of deals, and that was based off the Flashpoint comics where we now have the New 52 resulting from that Flashpoint comic. And in that Flashpoint comic, as Cisco PG said, uh, they really did Aquaman justice. He was fighting Wonder Woman, and everyone knows is one of the most powerful characters in the DC Universe, one of the strongest, and he held up against her in a fight, in hand-to-hand -hand combat. That's Aquaman. Now, another one of the powers that he is most known for is what people say is talking to fish. Uh, as Jeff Johns, and we'll talk about his run in the Aquaman comics recently, all right, but as Jeff Johns said right off the bat in his comic, in the New 52 version, of Aquaman, he doesn't talk to fish. All right, most people have seen by now the Robot Chicken DC special, where basically they just picked on Aquaman for the entire movie quite a bit, and you know, just joking about how he talked to fish 
and how he was friends with fish. That's not true. Aquaman doesn't go home and say, Hi, Mr. Marlin. How's it going? I hope your kids are doing well. That's not what Aquaman does. All right. Aquaman can control sea life. As Aquaman says in the comics, he can go into the mind of the sea life creatures and cause them to do things. He can tell them, he can push thoughts into their head to do certain things or to read their minds. That's not talking. That's not communicating. That is telepathy. All right, so there'll be moments where Aquaman will use a shark, will uh, have this shark attack people. He'll call on sea life. And remember that in, in comparison to what we know on land, there's not much animal life that we haven't discovered on land. But even in real life, there are still so many creatures that are in the ocean that mankind hasn't discovered. We don't know everything that is in the ocean. We don't. And Aquaman and the comics really play on that. So there'll be sea creatures that we've never seen before that are come out of the ocean and Aquaman is controlling them to do something. That's power. Now, let's, let's go with the look of Aquaman. A lot of people will see him as this baby-faced guy with an orange shirt and green pants. All right, those are not just clothes that he just likes to wear. That, that is armor that he's wearing. Very light Atlantean armor. Very strong, it's very durable. He doesn't just wear it for a fashion choice. Even still though, I like it. And uh, as far as the baby face thing goes, that's kind of how he looks in the New 52, all right? But historically in comics, he has had this big old beard Almost looks like uh, Mr. Gordon Fisherman or something. Just the Gordon Fisherman. He looks awesome. I really like his look. But even beyond that, uh, one of the things that you know, all right, when you're thinking of Aquaman, yeah, you think the orange shirt, you think the green pants. I mean, what else do you think? Of course, that trident. Most people don't think about that. Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. It jumped up a notch. It did, didn't it? Yeah, I stabbed a man in the heart. I saw that. Brick killed a guy. Did you throw a trident? Yeah, there were horses and a man on fire, and I killed a guy with a trident. Tell me one other character that carries a weapon like that. Yes, Wonder Woman and Katana have their swords, but no one has as kick-butt of a weapon as Aquaman. He has a trident. That's awesome. He's used that so many times in a fight to win. He can use that thing like crazy. He throws it and it's like a spear. He uses it like a sword. He can defend himself with it. He can take a truck and as it's ramming at him, he can take that truck and he can flip it over his head right, with that trident and with that super strength that he has. That is Aquaman. That's incredible. Another thing that people kind of gloss over with Aquaman is the fact that he is a king. And not just like a normal king. He's the king of an underwater, advanced society of really metahumans. First off, Atlantis is just a cool story in itself. Uh, a city that was so advanced, who somehow got dropped onto the bottom of the ocean 
and still survives is an amazing story within itself. And it's been used so many times in history. But Aquaman uses that, I think, to the greatest effect. Because there is this rivalry that mankind just doesn't even know about. You have these Atlanteans on the bottom of the ocean, and they are so advanced, and they are living life within themselves, and they have so much, I mean, they do have so much land um, on the bottom of the ocean that they don't need to come up and get anything. They have all the resources that they need, and so they let mankind live on the surface and let them think that they are alone, when really you have like an alien species on the bottom of the ocean. And it builds like this rivalry, like Ocean Master, um, who is Aquaman's half-brother, and he and take over Arthur's throne. But Ocean Master, he looks at humans and he sees like he sees them like insects, just something to be squashed underneath his boot, something lower, something primitive. That builds for a really cool story. So Aquaman or Arthur Curry, or as his real name is, he is the king of Atlantis. He has to lead this advanced society. And not just lead them in that he takes care of them, but he has to deal with the surface world, really polluting uh, their kingdom and the Atlanteans being like, well, why don't we just take those idiots out and him be just wait, be patient with them. He has to calm this divide between two worlds. That's really cool. So I guess that's pretty cool. All right, so now that we know some of the surfacey things, we're, we have some of the confusion out of maybe some of Aquaman's powers, uh, let's do a little bit of history. So Aquaman, or Arthur Curry, is the son of the Queen of Atlantis and a fisherman. Now the Queen, she's not a mermaid, I'm just going to say that up front. All right, but the, they met under suspicious circumstances. They met during a huge storm and... The comics never really say who started this storm because there, there is some mystery there. Uh, no one knows how this storm just came into being. But somehow uh, this storm happened and the queen rescued this fisherman. And, you know, as the story goes, they fell in love. And next thing you know, the queen of Atlantis is pregnant. And so she is imprisoned. And she escapes with the help of, with the help of a royal advisor named Volko. They escape, and she gives birth to Aquaman. Aquaman goes and lives with Dad. All right, but she has to go back. She has to go back to Atlantis, and when she goes back, she is forced to marry. She is forced to marry really the leader of the armies of Atlantis. So that she could have a son, an heir to the throne. They didn't know about Aquaman, though. So she has this son, names him Orm. That's Ocean Master. All right. And then on the 12th birthday of this kid, Orm, the king is murdered. And the queen sees this as an opportunity. This is the time where I can escape and get back to Arthur and his dad. So she tries to do that. And she wants to take Orm with her. And Orm kills her. He kills his mom, and spoiler, he killed his dad too. He wanted the throne. So it's a story of sabotage and, and conspiracy. It's a story of 
royal deception and power grabs and it's just it's a very interesting story and so arthur grows up on the surface not knowing really where he's from uh just knowing that he's with his dad his dad eventually dies after he finds out that he's from atlantis and there's there's some stuff that goes on with the dr shin all right but um but he finds out that he's from Atlantis. His father is now dead. There's no connection to the surface world anymore. And so he goes and he looks for Atlantis, eventually finds it, becomes king, and many, 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 many stories happen. That's, that's the gist of the background. Kind of skipped over a lot of things, but that's the background of Aquaman. There's a lot of amazing backstory to this character. There's a lot of tragedy. There's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of love there, too, between him and this character named Mera, who some people might know as Aquawoman, uh, who becomes Aquaman's wife. Then, of course, there's the tragedy of Aquaman losing his child. And there's so many stories. There's so many stories. But a good place for anyone who has now heard about maybe some of the truth of Aquaman and says to themselves, okay, I'll give him a shot and see what what you think about him, I would advise going out and getting the graphic novel, volume one of the New 52's version of Aquaman. Uh, I believe it's called The Trench. It's a great story. Uh, it is the first time. Look, I was like everyone else. I thought Aquaman was stupid. I thought that he was uh, kind of a ridiculous character. But after reading that story from Jeff Johns, I was convinced that I liked this guy. And then I went back and started reading and actually caring about all these things that happened to Aquaman in the pre-New 52 DC Universe. And I really like this character. So give him a shot. Go out and get The Trench by Jeff Johns. Read it, and you will love him. It might just change your mind about the Tuna Man. All right, let's move on to movies. There's some news out there that Patrick Wilson has been cast in Ant-Man. Now, what we know about Ant-Man so far is that Paul Rudd is going to be playing Scott Lang and that Michael Douglas is going to be playing Hank Pym, the original Ant-Man. And now we have Patrick Wilson being put into the mix of this. So no one knows what he's going to be playing, uh, what character he is going to be playing, but we can assume that he's a bad guy. You don't just get Patrick Wilson to play anyone. I think that he is a great actor. And as a great actor, I think he could do a great job with a villain. I'm not sure what villain that will be. To be honest, there's not a whole lot of depth to the villains that Ant-Man has faced on his own. Other than Ultron. And it's pretty obvious that they're having Tony Stark create Ultron and take that away from Ant-Man. So I'm not, I'm not sure what's going to be happening as far as a villain goes, they might be taking him a villain from one of the other characters and bringing it in and using it against Ant-Man. But I don't know what Patrick Wilson will be playing, but I assume he's going to be an amazing villain. I'm really excited about this. Uh, another big rumor that is going around, and it's not official yet, but people have been saying it in droves, that Adam Driver from the TV show Girls, I've never seen that show, but I've heard that he does really well on it, is going to be cast as the big bad guy in Star Wars, Episode 7. 
many Bothans died to bring us this information. A couple months ago, they were saying that he was going to be Nightwing. There was talks of him being Lex Luthor. And now we have this rumor of him being in Star Wars. I'm not sure how to feel about this. From what I've heard, he's a good actor. I haven't seen him in like anything. But more than that, I just want to know some stuff about Star Wars. Anyone out there feel the same way? Hit me up on Twitter. It feels like we just haven't gotten anything. And they're starting to shoot in May. What the heck is going on? I know J.J. Abrams is very secretive about his projects. I get that. You build anticipation. That's kind of fun. But we still don't know squat about Episode 7. That's wrong. I'm sorry. I need to know some stuff. So hopefully we'll get some announcements coming in the next uh, couple weeks about some of these casting decisions. Because they they've got to have made up their minds by now. I mean, they're shooting in two months. There's got to be some decisions made. And we should be finding out about that. As the public, we demand it. As the people, we rise up together and say, we want some news, J.J. Abrams. Give it to us. All right, last bit of news is that Jeff Goldblum will be coming back, and not for Jurassic World, but for another one of his classics, Independence Day. He's going to be back in Independence Day forever, which makes me happy, but other people are a little upset. A lot of people loved his character in Jurassic Park. I didn't quite as much. I, I'm really looking forward to this, this new installment of the Jurassic World with Chris Pratt. I'm really looking forward to that. And I want that on its own. I want it kind of different from the trilogy that we've had before. I want it just to be its own thing. Um, but I really loved Jeff Goldblum's character in Independence Day. And when you look at Independence Day, it wasn't a Will Smith movie. Sure, he was in it and he played a big part, but the main character of that movie is Jeff Goldblum. And you would think with Independence Day 2, and maybe this revisiting from these aliens or whatever, that he would be in it. And that he would be an important character again. That he would be honored for what he did and how he basically saved the world all on his own by using this virus to take down this alien species, or you think that he would be honored for that, and he would be in a position of authority come the second time around when these aliens come, or whatever happens with the sequel, you think that you would see him. So I'm really happy that Jeff Goldblum will be back for that, and his character was really fun in the first one, and so I'm really looking forward to what they do in this movie. All right, and then we had the trailer for Godzilla that came out this past week. This is the second trailer, and it was really focused on Brian Cranston. Uh, from what I gather, he's going to be playing this doctor who's freaking out, like this scientist who is freaking out about the truth of Godzilla. This trailer was more about the history of Godzilla, that back in the day when people thought that, that there were just nuclear tests that were happening in the Pacific, that it was really them trying to kill Godzilla, and that he's been around ever since then. They've been hiding this fact and because they can't kill him and they don't want people to freak out. And now he's come to San Francisco. And there were a couple of shots that looked really cool. I wasn't a huge fan of the first trailer. And honestly, I'm not a huge fan of Godzilla, period. But this trailer kind of got me. Maybe it was just Brian Cranston's voice and his great acting that made me like it. But I don't know. I, I really enjoyed this. So... Before, I wasn't really looking forward to this movie, but now, 
after that? Yeah, I could get into that. All right, and lastly, in movies, we're going to be talking about All Hail the King. Now, I'm one of those guys who loves spoilers. I love to find that stuff out. Um, so if you're not a spoiler fan and you don't want to know what happened in All Hail the King, which was the Marvel one-shot that was with Thor, The Dark World, if you don't want to know what happened, skip like four minutes. We're just going to break it down and tell you all the stuff that happened. It's really cool. You should check it out if you haven't already. All right, but if you don't want to hear spoilers, go about four minutes from now, and we'll be talking about something else. All right, so All Hail the King is really a story about Trevor Slattery. As most of you probably know, this is the actor who was running around and pretending that he was the Mandarin in Iron Man 3. And this is the story of him in jail and the celebrity status that he has for playing this character that, that made the president quake in his boots, okay? And so it starts off with him in jail and him just being very popular and, you know, doing the voice. Stuff like that. And so people love him for it in prison. And he has the, all these fans that protect him from other people who want him dead. And Trevor Slattery goes back to his cell. There's a guy who comes in. And he's doing a documentary all about Trevor Slattery. And trying to find out who he is. And why he took up this mantle of the Mandarin. What got him to that point. All that kind of stuff. And so they ask him a couple questions. And they start talking about his past and what, what happened. And then next thing you know, this documenter stands up and he presses a button on the camera and you can see the innards of this camera start moving around. Next thing you know, it's building a gun. And Trevor Slattery, being the idiot that he is, he has no idea that that's happening. And so he's just going on and on about, you know, he is an actor, an actor and how he is a slave to his muse. All those artsy-fartsy kind of stuff. And, you know, he gets this gun out, and he kills Trevor Slattery's butler, really, because he's living in, like, this condo of a cell with uh, all these comforts from home, and he kills this butler, and he pulls the gun on Trevor Slattery and says, there's someone who wants to talk to you. Someone who wants his name back. I, I think everyone probably saw it coming. But the Mandarin is real. And he is ticked off at this idiot of a guy who has been going around and saying that he is the Mandarin. Who has been using his name for his own purposes. The Mandarin, the real Mandarin, is ticked. And he wants Trevor Slattery dead. Alright, that's where the one shot ends. That is incredible. Now, some people are saying that that was done because fans were ticked off that they made the Mandarin into a joke, of which I was one. I was, I was angry about that. But it did well in the story of Iron Man 3, so I didn't make it a huge deal. But some people are saying that they did this, that they made the Mandarin real in this one shot just because of that. That's not true. All right, if you go back and watch Iron Man 3, if you pay attention, you will find hints that there is a real Mandarin. All right? Uh, Trevor Slattery, when he's talking to Tony Stark, he says that Aldrich Killian paid for Trevor Slattery to have cosmetic surgery. Why would they do that? They're trying to make this guy look like he's the Mandarin. And then there are stories that Aldrich Killian talks about, 
about his father and how he was an angry man and just all those kind of things. I think that Aldrich Killian is the son of the real Mandarin. And that's why he has those tattoos and why he knows so much about the Mandarin is because that's his daddy. And there are other hints throughout the movie as well. So I am happy. I think this was the plan the entire time was to use the Mandarin as a joke in Iron Man 3, but still leave hints that it wasn't the real Mandarin and that the real Mandarin is still out there. Now, will they use the real Mandarin? That is the question. Will there be another Iron Man movie or somewhere along the line, will there be a Mandarin that comes into the Marvel Universe? Honestly, I don't think so. I think this was a good wrap-up to just have the fans know that, yeah, we get you. Yeah, we know that the Mandarin is an important character and that you care about him. And he is real, and he's out there. I don't think that they're going to use him, though. But it was really cool to see that. All right, so All Hail the King was super funny. It was really well done. I love the cinematography in it. Great one shot. Plus, if you watch after the ending, there's a mid credit scene and a couple other things down the line of a character. I'm not going to spoil it for you but a character from the Iron Man universe who is in prison there, and it's pretty fun. So go check that out. It is really fun. All right, let's move on to TV. My name is Oliver Queen. I used to be a spy until... We got a burn notice on you. You're blacklisted. All right, let's start off with Star Wars. A couple weeks ago, we had a new intro for a character in the Rebels TV show, and that character is named Hera. She is pilot for this group of characters who will be starting their own kind of rebellion and experiencing all of this. Uh, the story will be focused on this small group of characters, and she's going to be one of them. When I first heard about this character, I, th I thought we'd be getting someone like the engineer from like Firefly, like that kind of a character, but she is a leader. That kind of surprised me when I heard the voice and when, I, uh, and when we heard all this stuff about her character. She's the leader of this group, and that's pretty cool. I'm really excited. She, she's, she's said to be like the glue of this, of this small group of characters that keeps them from snapping at each other. So I'm really excited to see what they do with that. And speaking of Star Wars animated news, it's just a couple days away from the release of the new season of Clone Wars. I am getting so psyched for this. There was a trailer that came out last week that got me very interested. And like I said last episode, I'm most interested in the storyline with Yoda. And the trailer last week really focused on that. And Qui-Gon, as a Force ghost, came to Yoda and said, You have to finish what I couldn't. And he sends him to... Guess where? Dagobah. Very Obi-Wan Kenobi-ish. Then, you will go to the Dagobah system. Dagobah system. There you will learn from Yoda, the Jedi Master who instructed me. And they showed a little bit of Yoda and what it looked like 
doing some amazing jumping around and running around in Dagobah, which means there might be a bigger reason to why Yoda stayed at Dagobah, why he didn't join the rebellion. I've always wondered that. Why did he stay there? If he was so powerful and he could train Jedi so well, why did he just stay by himself? Why didn't he help people? How could he abandon the universe like that? And I thought that maybe episode three answered that with a stupid answer, just that he was ashamed because he lost the emperor and just went into hiding and went into exile. I thought that that's maybe what they were doing, and maybe that is the answer, to which I say poopy. I don't like it. But these couple episodes might be about something bigger. Maybe he had to go to Dagobah and contain something there. Protect the universe from something there. Very similar to what we saw uh, in the Clone Wars series early on between this brother and sister and father who represent the different sides of the Force. You might remember that kind of cosmic battle. Maybe it's something like that on Dagobah, and that's why he had to stay. That would make so much sense to me, and I would appreciate that so much as a fan of Yoda, because, I mean, up to this point, he kind of looks like a jerk. Like, you lost, like, like a boy who picks up his ball and goes home, you know? Sore loser. Yoda should have been helping the universe. Maybe he is by staying there on Dagobah. So it should be interesting. I'm really looking forward to Friday and watching these. I'm going to just binge watch them. It's going to be awesome. Another big announcement came out last week from ABC. That ABC will be airing a one-hour special sneak peek at Age of Ultron. Uh, in their one-hour look at Marvel Universe called Assembling a Universe. And that's coming out uh, March 18th. It'll be on at, at 7 Central, which is my time. And that is really cool. I'm really excited for that. Now, when we say that there's going to be a sneak peek, a lot of people go like, oh, that's awesome. So we'll see like, you know, a minute of it. I don't think it'll even be that. Oh, man. I'm not sure if we will see anything more than what they showed at Comic-Con last year to give the announcement. You know, that that Iron Man helmet getting smashed around until it looks like Ultron. I think they might just show that. I don't think that we'll see any real new footage. Uh, you know, they're talking about, oh, there's going to be footage from uh, Winter Soldier. There's going to be footage from Guardians of the Galaxy. There's going to be a look at, obviously, Age of Ultron. I don't think that we're going to be seeing a whole lot of new footage. We're just going to be seeing some of the things that we've seen on DVDs. But I'm still going to watch it. It's going to be fun. It'll be fun to see, and you know, if there is new footage, that will be incredible. But even if there's not, it should be a fun just look at the universe, and I just like to see superheroes on TV, so that'll be really cool. Talking about heroes on TV, all right, there was that announcement that came out last week that NBC is bringing back heroes for a miniseries in 2015, to which every fanboy went, what? Why? <laughs> I mean, I'm excited. I liked heroes. It was, it was a pretty good storyline until the circus came into town and kind of ruined things, and the story just went <laughs> So, but before that, I was really into it. To tell you how into it I was, I picked watching Heroes over watching Lost, which I love Lost. But they're coming back. I'm not sure what to make of it. I don't know. I, I assume that they're going to have most of the main characters come back. But even still, I don't, I don't know. And will this miniseries just be a miniseries? Or will it become a TV show like what they did with Under the Dome? 
I'm not sure. I hope that it becomes a TV show. A little part of me wants it back. But I'm not sure what it's going to be. So I'm a little nervous, but excited at the same time. And lastly in news, we had a tweet come out last Friday from Grant Gustin. And he showed us the new look for the Mask of the Flash. And it looked good. And it broke the internet. Pretty sure. It's broken. They're fixing it. Ellen fixed it and they broke it again. Uh, all it was was just a picture of the face uh, and then just a little bit down to the neck. So there wasn't a whole lot that was seen. But it looks pretty classic. Looks, you know, just like it did in the comics. A little more realistic than the 90s version of the TV show Flash, obviously. But uh, it looks good. And the, and the Flash symbol was on it. And that was really cool to see. And it's just exciting to see, to see Grant Gustin... Uh, getting into the suit and hopefully we'll have this pilot together and we'll see it sometime in the fall. So that brings yet another totally random show to a close. No! As always, I appreciate you listening. Thank you so much for spending the last half hour or so with me. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. It means so much to us. It really helps us out. And leave us a review. Give us five stars. Let us know what you like about the show. Like Radishimo did on iTunes. He said, love it. He gave us five stars and said, random, nerdy, and absolutely everything else you could want in a podcast to make the day a little easier. Thank you so much, Radishimo. I appreciate that. Andrew Skywalker says that he loves this podcast. Dean seems to know what he's talking about. You can, you can tell he really enjoys doing this show. He gives me the news I want, plus some insight into what those topics mean. I love this show and will continue to listen as this podcast grows in the future. Thank you so much, Andrew. And Rocks in Your Socks says, love the show. Another five-star review. I think this podcast is a fun and inventive vibe. It's funny and easy to listen to. Thank you so much, Rocks in Your Socks. So leave us that review, and we will read it on our next show. I appreciate you guys doing that. Thank you so much for all the people who have reached out to us on Twitter. Uh, it's been awesome just to interact with you guys. So check us out on Twitter, at TRS Podcast. Follow us. Let us know you're listening to the show and that you like it. Maybe give us some suggestions. Ask us some questions, whatever you want to do. I just want to reach out to you guys and just say thank you. You guys are awesome. Uh, the podcast is on the move up the charts, and it's all because of you guys listening. So thank you. All right, join us next time when I get hit by gamma rays and become an incredible rage monster with the thing for Betty Crocker's cookbooks. Boom, 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 muffins.